This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my company, Horns Vodin. We just released our latest clothing range. Um, it's our winter range, and the whole range is entirely plastic free. The flagship product is our overshirt. And what's special about this is that it weighs a whopping 300 GSM. Now, I know GSM means nothing to most people, it's grams per square meter. And your average shirt is about 160. So this is twice that. And all it means is just it's a really nice heavyweight. It's perfect for layering up in the cold winter months. It's made from 100% cotton. It's got real horn buttons, of course. One of the other products we've got is our knitter hooded sweater. It's a really nice 100% cotton knitted sweatshirt. It's got rolled hems. It's got a cross hood. Um, and it's, it's a really rustic looking, very kind of on-brand hooded. And again, you know, the range carries on into some other items. We've got 100% merino wool beanies. Uh, we've got those in three colours. We've got rust, red, and black. And then we've got a range of t-shirts, as always. These are long sleeve baseball style t-shirts. Uh, we've got a beautiful burnt orange uh, and black with our logo on the front there, a grey and black. We've got a nice sort of toffee and coffee colour combination. And then we've got very typical baseball t-shirts with a, a red and white and then a burgundy and white so yeah just just pop over onto the website hornsvoning.com use the promo code horns10 and you're going to get 10 percent discount off anything store-wide that's the new range or anything that we already stock other than that so use the code horns10 and you're going to get 10 percent off right let's jump into the show Yeah, should we just start with the intro? Mm-hmm. Like we usually do. <laughs> no, sometimes we have like a, we'll get into that actually. Let's get into that. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the Northern Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, co-owner of the company Horns Verdin, and I'm joined as always by Dr. Matthias Nordvig. Hello, everyone. This time it's just me and Dan, and we're going to be talking about Go. stuff. Stuff. stuff yes you've got you've got, <laughs> you've got a, a grumpy dan because <laughs> the, the episode's an hour late because i tried to uh update my laptop and it decided it wanted to update to windows 11 and i had to stop it halfway through and then it had to put itself back to how it was before um and it's been a whole thing so it has been a thing and I've been ranting I, about flags while while you were rebooting. So uh, I know I'm sad that, that I missed that. <laughs> uh, but I got I've got coffee and beer, so I'm I'm happy now. Good. Um, good. Yes, I'm good. One thing I wanted to mention, I know I noticed that for a few episodes we've done a kind of a, a flowing intro, if mm-hmm. one for a better word. We we've kind of had a a chat and then done the intro, and I saw someone comment saying that I forget to introduce you sometimes. Uh, oh. And I was like, no, I don't forget to introduce you. It's just sometimes we have interesting conversation before the podcast and we don't, it's nice to not have to cut it out. So we was trying out a different method of leaving that in and then just kind of throwing the, the a intro new, in A there. new format, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I just... kind of like it. I, I, I think it's kind of cool and I don't feel overlooked either. <laughs> no, a lot of the time we have a, 
a good <laughs> chat before, especially when we have guests on, we have like a little back and forth and we'll talk about the episode and what we're going to do. Um, but then sometimes stuff gets mentioned in there that I'm like, no, save this for the episode. So if we kind of leave that in and just, we've started recording a lot earlier so we can just kind of hopefully mm-hmm. flow in. And then sometimes, you know, sometimes the intro might come a little later because it's when I can squeeze it in. But I'm mm-hmm. not forgetting Mateus, I promise. There's, I can't forget that face. There's only two of us here. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to clear that because I did see someone mention. Um, it was, yeah, we just want to try and get as much content in there as possible and not have to cut out anything that might be of interest. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, what, what, what was it that you wanted to talk about today? Is it uh, something about horned helmets? Um, I'm glad you listened. I'm glad you listened. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope, well, I hope you know about... Um, yeah, so horned helmets. I keep seeing the, the an article or articles, different articles pop up um, this week in my weekly Facebook venturing. Um, time and time again, articles on the, the bronze helmets that a lot of people attribute Vikings wearing horned helmets too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know you'll probably be able to pronounce the name much better than me, but I'm sure you know the two mm-hmm. that were found and were they dated to around 500 BC? Uh, at least, at least. But apparently, right. the, okay, uh, but the the article I I, I saw says has now been accurately carbon dated to maybe like 3000 BC. And that's that sounds more uh likely because um the uh uh the the helmets are um are from the bronze age right the 500 bc that's when we have the beginning of the uh, what what in, in the northern part of europe is called the celtic iron age like it begins around that time um of course archaeologists will be much better at being specific and precise about those time periods but yeah um so the the, the vixer helmets are this pair of like bronze age uh presumed ceremonial um uh horned helmets um found uh, in Vixer in in Zealand and Denmark uh let's see like the latest dating as far as I can see is based off of some birch tar that was found on the horns and the sample which is is insane so that is that literally (laughs) just some tar that's on been on there for a while and and they've managed to be able to extract that and yeah, I mean, this tar, this tar uh, that has uh, gotten on there before they were put in the bog where they were found in 1942. Um, and yeah, so they're dated to the period between 857 and 907 BC. Um, so like getting almost close to a thousand years before the year zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, so... The idea of the horned helmets when it comes to Vikings is sort of like a a weird um, <laughs> byproduct of of uh, Wagner, really, um, who was spicing up the um, um, the uh, uh, the costumes that uh, his uh, um, uh, his actors were wearing in the uh, original. Uh, Ring, ring of the Nibelungen, right? Um, 
when he put it on in what like 1882 or something like that and then that's sort of like you know he was just you know riff, riffing off of like the you know few historical things that he knew from central europe and so on and so like feathers and and, and shit like that and the, uh, the helmets and uh yeah then um that sort of like became a thing you know with mm-hmm. i mean that's helmets. that's i guess see i'm always torn on horned helmets and i don't mind admitting this not because i'm biased to anything horn derived um but no i don't think that they would have worn horn horned helmets to battle i think that's ridiculous that doesn't make sense um and just wouldn't work but i do think and you may tell me that i'm completely wrong that it's the possibility that they could have used them in ceremonial uh instances for like a head like ceremonial headdress i think that could be feasible so the thing is I would caution against that, like that you know, idea of the practical, the practicality of, of things, because that's not you, normally how people think, not even with war, um, maybe in modern times, but definitely not back then. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's this funny me- meme with uh, a samurai dude with like a weird facial expression <laughs> that says, uh, um, you know, when they say it's not feasible to go to war with horns on your helmet, but you didn't get the memo because the dude has horn on his hel- on his helmet. There are plenty of like samurai helmets uh, that have had horns. Uh, so um, there, there's plenty of historical examples of war helmets with the with horns on them, um, which means, you know, it, 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 if you look at it in, a, in terms of like a, a, a practical uh, a situation, right? Having those horns would definitely be awkward. Um, mm-hmm. Like just consider how easy it is for for somebody's sword to take you down, like you know, <laughs> and you're going down sideways uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it costs on that, on that hey, horn. But, you could be taking down their sword with your horned helmet. You gotta look at things a different way sometimes. Absolutely right, but it's like it's, okay. So what what do we have? We, well, historical uh, historical examples we have, you know, samurai with uh, horned helmets, um, uh, other war headdresses of various kinds with elaborate gear that in different ways get caught in whatever the fuck, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, a fuck ton of medieval European uh, horned helmets on knights, you know. With all kinds of funky gear on them, and and uh, you have a couple of uh, examples from Celtic Gaul in 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 France as well from the Bronze Age and such. So so there are plenty of of historical examples of horned helmets that warriors have worn, also in mm. war, right? And so, so what about what about the soot and who helmet? Would that because obviously that's something I wouldn't imagine somebody would actually wear to war, unless maybe you were. One of those people that was at war where you were on the horse, horseback at the back of the war where you weren't actually going to get hit with anything because that seems way too elaborate to actually want to wear into battle. I don't know, man. Like there's, again, go to the 1200s and 1300s and 1400s in Europe and you'll see some pretty elaborate uh, headgear. And, mm. you know, I, like 
back then people wore all metal <laughs> metal armor right all over the fucking place plate metal armor and some of them had that plate metal armor fashioned in the crotch as an erect penis right so you went to war with an erect wang and, I mean that and, that's just and symbolic. <laughs> that's symbolic for that I'm a badass and I'm going to war. Um, exactly. Rage this, is, this, is how much, this is how much I like war right now. <laughs> exactly. Like so you go to war with a giant boner, you 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 put all kinds of funky stuff, horns and, and feathers on your helmet as well. You know, like there is there's an element to this that has to do with intimidation as well, right? When you when you go to war with your rage boner, if I start running to war <laughs> with an erect penis, then I think uh, it might scare a few people as well. Yeah, and and the same thing is like if you have you know a helmet with an elaborate face on it with like this weird grin on, which is an actual historical thing for some of these uh, these uh, helmets as well. Right, people are just gonna get like weirded out and freaked out, right? So, mm. so it's intimidation tactics, and horns can be a part of that as well. So, it mm. is not unlikely, right, that people have gone to war with horned helmets, especially also considering all the fucking evidence that we have from it. So, 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 question: though, Did these Vikings do it? Did did Scandinavians have helmets with horns on them? We have no actual physical examples. Of helmets with horns on them, we have. Say that we don't have many helmets in general. That's one thing, right? That's one one particular issue here. I think the Yermundbu helmet is the only like full helmet that has been found. It's from uh, uh, Norway, right? From Do you know how many city. times I've looked to the name of that helmet? And I have no fucking idea how to pronounce it. Because <laughs> that's that's a word that I can't even try and mumble through. But then we have then we have depictions of horns on helmets from the Viking Age and from before the Viking Age. Um, we have it, um, the Valsier and Vendel helmets from Sweden. We have these um, a, depictions of of horned helmets on helmets that don't have horns, by the way. <laughs> the actual helmets don't have horns, but there are depictions of horned helmets on the helmets without the horns. So, um, and there, what we see is like a dancing what, warrior. Rewind that back. What? Yeah. So so do you mean as in like the the, the look, they're meant to be horns, but they're not actually made of horns, like the ones we mentioned earlier. No, they're, so, all, so, they're all bronze. So, so... Uh, well, that's also an element, but uh, so we have a, a couple of helmets, right? And they have little plates on them with depictions of helmets with horns. But the helmets themselves that have those depictions oh, on okay. them don't have horns. Uh, at least we, it doesn't look like that they had horns, um, so, oh, which is curious. Is that? Yeah, that is kind of bizarre, isn't it? Um, and so, so what we have is like these uh, these little dancing this little dancing warrior, um, uh, who is getting a, it looks like he's getting stabbed in the foot by a berserker. Like so, a man who's wearing literally a wolf or bear skin over his head so that he looks like a wolf or a bear. 
um he's like poking him in the foot and this this dancing warrior and this the dancing warrior has two horns that turn into raven heads on, uh, on top mm-hmm. and um um and and we have several pins found from from uh, the vendel period into the viking age to the end of the viking age so like close to the year thousand from all over Scandinavia, primarily Denmark and Sweden, but all over, um, mostly in context of, of temple sites, by the way, where there's a little pin with a male head on it. And this male head has horns that turn into uh, raven heads, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in some cases, the one eye has been scratched out on these little uh, pin heads, by the way. I mean, so that's I, that's I, very Odin, right? That's what I we're dealing to, with. I have to shout out that if you would like a Odin mask with two raven horns on his helmet, you can pop over to notimythologypodcast.com and pick one up from there because we sell them. There you go. And also, <laughs> by the way, if uh, you want to be uh, down with the cool crowd and support our Patreon and get the bonus episodes, you sign up today. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> oh, we we suck so bad. <laughs> what have we become? Horse, <laughs> that's what we are. <laughs> Nordic mythology, horse. No, <laughs> we we know we just to be honest, we love what we do, and we just want to keep growing it um, and dedicate as much time to this as possible. And obviously, Patreon is a a good way to help us out. Um, it really is, and we yeah. know every, we know everybody can't, but even just sharing the podcast helps a lot but where were you yeah so 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 we have those little pins with those heads with those horns too so like there's obviously something going on from this you know pre-viking age vendel period this the five six hundreds into the viking age that has to do with warriors wearing helmets with horns that are fashioned as not like these ridiculous cow horns but are fashioned as as like raven heads like so it's like bird horns ish coming out of the head it is not really clear what what that really represents but obviously it has something to do with odin it has something to do with this idea of odin having two ravens it has something to do with uh probably with like some mental capacities or or something like that if we are to go by what what the mythology tells us about this like who in and moon in there are two ravens and one means the thought and the other one means the memory or something like that um and that's what we have right that that's these depictions we have so what it looks like is also that 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 these helmets are worn in a particularly ritualistic context um were they one at war if they ever existed that's a good question we can't really tell because we don't have the physical evidence to 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 support the idea but is it likely is it possible is it something that we can perhaps assume based off of the imagery that we have available to us yeah yeah probably like it is so 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 is the original idea of vikings with these fucking cow horns in their helmets ridiculous and far out yes but does that preclude the idea that they actually did wear some ceremonial war helmets uh some of them no 
and this is where we may have to like uh open up the discussion about like uh what 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 did actually happen at war and that's another aspect of all of this war fought in that time period was not just to win right mm-hmm. war was deeply imbued with ritual and magic and religion right and for this is where this idea of the pragmatic and practical aspects sort of like dissipates because um uh, there are, there's going to be a lot of those people in that army that is invading uh having just gone through like weird esoteric uh initiation rituals to become odin's inheria or some shit like that right they don't they don't care if they're dying or not because if that idea of like going to Valhut and and existing in an afterlife with Odin and all of that stuff, if it was that powerful and did exist in at least in sort of like a shadowy way of what we know it uh, from the written material, right? They they might just be like, uh, woohoo, Til Valhalar, <laughs> even though they probably wouldn't say that. But um, you see what I mean, and so. You know whether or not your headdress is going to be an impractical thing to wear might not actually be that uh, important to them. So, so do that's. Think, the... Do you think they ever were kind of? Because the whole Till Valhalla type thing, I know obviously you you've been silly saying that, but but that idea it's almost suicidal, kind of kamikaze esque that you're mm-hmm. not bothered if you survive. But they were, it feels like they were too successful in war, in battle, yeah. to have that kind of opinion of, of I don't care if we die. It feels like they had some military, at least, strategy. Um, and it wasn't all just about finding death to go to the next world. There was a, a will to win so you could get what you want to get your land, get the silver. But, but I mean, uh, they weren't really that successful. Like that, you can't really say that the like if you look at Viking battles in England, right, in the period from seven ninety three to ten sixty six, you can't really say that these Scandinavians are more successful than than the already English already existing English population. Like in some cases they win, in some cases they lose. In some cases they have success installing some kind of ruler for a bit and then you know that falls apart and la 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 so um uh you the assumption that that the vikings were particularly uh successful good warriors uh we might have to dial that back a little bit it doesn't actually look that look like they were that good (laughs) so um and again you know um the kamikaze as you mentioned them, right? They were kind of successful for a while. Like warriors willing to 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 go on a suicidal mission. Yeah, yeah they but they they had an airplane. <laughs> it did. <laughs> I feel like you can make a lot more damage <laughs> with a plane than just one man running across the field. Certainly, <laughs> certainly. But the point is that that these things aren't that clear cut all the time. Mm. And what it also kind of shows with this medieval warfare that's happening around Vikings and all that stuff um, is that 
um, when you do apply pragmatics and practicalities and such things, that's when you kick the Vikings' ass. Like that's mm -hmm. what that's what the English had success with, right? What happens after the first experiences of Viking assholes fucking around, uh, throwing axes at everybody? Um, well, let's build some walls around our cities and up our protection and fortification in general. Oh, let's also make sure to conscript. Let's let's also make sure to, that the conscripted the soldiers that we now have have proper gear, you know, and that kind of stuff. And then boom, then you start kicking Viking ass, right? So, so, so in in that sense, you could actually say that that that. Um, uh, it, when you apply pragmatics and you apply the, the, the idea of like this needs to be practical for for warfare that's that's when you have more success and that's also kind of what we're seeing in European history in general right when when uh, you have some war custom that has been played out over and over and over somebody comes up with a pragmatic solution to counter that and that again I, let me draw out that the uh, let me bring forth that the great example of the danish army being completely obliterated by a bunch of uh, uh peasants in in what is now northern germany right you have we have uh, knights in metal and armor and on heavy ass horses and all that stuff and these uh, uh frisian peasants in, i think it's in the 1400s if I remember correctly, in Dietmarschen, they they just managed to lure them into an area that they can flood, and then boom, they win the war. Right? Mm -hmm. That's a pragmatic solution to uh, an otherwise, you know, a pretty forceful, powerful war machine in the medieval period. Right? Mm -hmm. And I, I guess you probably turned up to battle in whatever you had available. And it's not like modern militaries that have a, a uniform um armor like everybody looks the same when when they mm -hmm. go to battle whereas i guess back then that wasn't the case you you came in in what was available i mean the, all of that stuff depends on uh who's organizing the army and how much money do they have right um danish peasant armies are an example right what what they would do is that they would take the pitchforks and the scythes and then then they would refashion them to weapons right mm -hmm. um and i think that's that's pretty common uh, throughout medieval europe that's when you see like a peasant uprising that's usually what they're doing right sometimes they just use whatever farm tools they have um and then you know then you will also have the professionals right those few in a medieval army that are, are are professionals. Sometimes you have a king or a duke or a local aristocrat who's got you know military ambitions and spends a lot of money on on uh, um, fitting out an army. And then of course you'll see better gear, right? But you know, in this time period, is uh, and up until well, it's still kind of this this situation. Like the name of the game is technological advances right so um you like when you introduce gunpowder into warfare in in uh, in europe in the late medieval period early modern period whatever you want to call that right then those armies that don't have gunpowder they get fucked right and then when you um 
uh, introduce, um, you know, the uh, um, uh, upgraded uh, loading uh, weapons. Like, I never, like, can never fucking remember what that mechanism is called. But you know, it's pretty pretty much how a modern uh, a rifle works, as uh, as opposed to like front loading it with like shoving uh, mm -hmm. powder and and bullet and all that stuff into the. That's when that's when you then have a new situation, right? New new warfare situation where uh, uh, those who who have the new modernized weapons they are capable of killing a lot more enemies than those who have uh, the older weapons, mm -hmm. and and so on and so forth. And it's the same now, right? So like drone technology is one of the main things that's going to. Uh, make an army successful in, in modern warfare and, and space force space force <laughs> um a viking space force by the way oh now we're I'm talking <laughs> yeah right now we're talking so yeah um the thing is of course that that is also the case in the medieval period right and so if you have somebody who comes up with 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 something new and maybe maybe the situation is that uh vikings or you know, just pre-Vikings, they actually went to war with helmets with uh, um, um, horns on them or, or something like that, at least some of them. Maybe that is the situation. And then uh, that worked out well in the beginning in England, and then they came back and got their asses kicked because the English had, like, upped their game on all of this stuff, and then they were like, let's take the horns off. I saw Thorstein over there get get taken down in a really embarrassing way. <laughs> you know, and all all I can think is that I can imagine you would just get a bunch of people, where especially if it was guys, because guys are dumb. Uh, <laughs> just get like a, a bunch of dudes at a battlefield waiting for everyone turns up in whatever they've got, and then there's always that one guy who's going to come in something ridiculous. I think he has like a <laughs> brand new idea. Uh, come up with this new weapon that's ridiculous. We all know somebody that's like that. Um, we do. Don't I, we? I just imagine there would just be somebody that would come in just something ridiculous. And I almost wonder if there's a if there's like a sense of peacocking as well. Like one of course, one upmanship in what you're gonna what you're gonna mm -hmm. wear to the battle, whether it's ridiculous or not, because you wanna you wanna stand out. You want everyone to watch you. Um, and even if it means you're gonna, you you might have a chance of dying. There are still, I know some guys that would still want to look good, or what they consider to look good, um, or practicality. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, and and yeah, there's like there's the people who want to look good. There's the people who want to look cool when they are fighting and all that stuff. And peacocking is definitely part of it. Like just look at MMA and tattoos, or look at you know, football and tattoos, right? Well, hair. Um, I think hairstyles become a big yeah. one in, in MMA. Like, people who, they'll just dye their hair a ridiculous colour. Um, mm -hmm. Sugar Sugar Sean, his hair is all different colours. Um, very 6'9", the rapper-esque. And, 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 you know, look who started it. It was fucking Beckham, right? Like, you go back to, to the, uh, the early 2000s, right? And you, you see those iconic uh, players back then, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're the ones who started that, you know, that stuff. It wasn't, wasn't prevalent that much in the 90s. It's become a thing, right? Um, and that's because it, you know, makes you stand out. It makes you more appealing. Um, can also make you more scary looking or, or whatever, right? You know, if people fall for it. 
So there's yeah. a lot of things to consider there, you know. You would want to look. I know I'd want to look scary if I was going to battle. I'd want if there was me and somebody else next to each other. I'd want the person opposite me to think I'm gonna go for that person there rather than the scary mm-hmm. looking guy because I don't want to die. <laughs> so I'd rather <laughs> go fight him. Leave me looking scary and mean, and you just go over there. Um, Mateus, um, I forgot. I forgot to mention this. The, the beginning of the episode unless you've got something to, to i just say. wanted to add one thing because uh further like in the chat is uh is uh, talking about wh- whether or not there was a lot of graveling and that kind of stuff in 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 those medieval warfare scenarios and yes there was there was a lot of you know hand-to-hand kind of s- situations there are some um some uh, some uh, um uh, martial arts books whatever you can call them from 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 germany from the 1400s and 1500s that show that show a lot of uh like hand to hand or you know two per two people fighting it out with knives and that kind of stuff and there's a lot of um by the way a lot of good advice about hitting somebody in the nuts or cutting off their balls of and stuff like that of <laughs> like, course like I know people may think of it as being dirty, but if if it's me or if it's me or you, and one of us is gonna die, I don't care what I'm. I, I'll bite your dick if I'm gonna bite it. Whatever <laughs> I'm gonna do, as long as I don't die, I, it's gonna happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's. I think I always wonder about grappling because you always see it in in TV shows and movies where. There'll be two people, they'll lock eyes across the battlefield and they'll they'll come yeah. to blows and they'll have like a, a five-minute little battle back and forth with a little bit of rolling around. And I'm just like, if I'm next to them, one of you is just getting my axe or sword or whatever mm. in the back of your head. I'm not watching you have your little moment. One of you is fucking getting it. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, that's, oh, that's also ridiculous. And uh, another thing, when we think about like, you know, fighting like that, uh in a battlefield like that i think we should think of it more in terms of that scene in the lord of the rings where deagle and smeagol are fighting over the ring than anything else like that's how it's it it, it, this stuff is going to like play out like it's it's going to be ugly Mm -hmm. dirty and and really unpleasant it's not that glorious uh, shit where you, you get a moment to take off your helmet and say I am no man and then stick uh, your uh, sword in the face of uh, the Nazgul and that kind of stuff no like, I, th- I think the, the most realistic one I've seen would be the Battle of the Bastards in Game of Thrones I think that was a terrifying um, war scene I, 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 I think that's as real as I've seen that made me genuinely uncomfortable because I think no matter what we could ever picture a battle scene to be, um, I don't think we could ever get anywhere near to what it actually would be because there'd be bits and pieces hanging off people everywhere. I don't think it would be nice. Um, Xander, <laughs> Xander in the chat just said, my new Viking nickname is Damn Dick Biter, which I do not want to stick. Let's let's not <laughs> keep that one around. <laughs> well, you should not have mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me. But I, let's, I mean, I don't want to keep that one around too long. <laughs> I don't want to get a reputation. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, what I wanted to mention was um, I started reading the book River Kings earlier and realized, why have you not mentioned to me about this really cool Danish guy buried in Repton that's about an hour from me? Um, I just did the other day. I, well, he got briefly mentioned, but we didn't mention where it was. I think Simon brought it up about the... the I did not realize that that was the warrior that he dick chopped off, not to go back... <laughs> chopped off. I mean, maybe it was bitten off. I don't know. It, it's more of a bit of a, I don't know why. maybe maybe he met your your ancient ancestor <laughs> maybe he met my, my <laughs> half done the dick biter might have come along and just chomped it off I don't know <laughs> I cannot confirm or deny what happened but I didn't realize that that was the same person and that literally an hour from me there's all this wealth of Viking history I guess yeah it's right over there man and just go look at it. <laughs> I, I, I know. I did. Why have we never spoken about that? Um, and I do, I want to do an episode on, because it sounds fascinating. Um, apparently there was, is there a mass grave there as well? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and this is also, uh, what the fuck is it called? Not so far from, from there, there's the, uh, uh, there's like a site with several burial mounds, which is one of the few Viking burial mounds. Mm -hmm areas in in the uh in england i actually i actually mentioned message uh simon i know mm -hmm. i've said simon earlier but simon earlier because um they mentioned that there's a there's a burial or a grave with four children in it which is near the the mass grave and maybe there's possibly a ritual sacrifice because the four children have been carbon decarbon de date people yes mm -hmm. i guess mm -hmm. maybe whatever you do too but they they apparently come from different geographical locations oh um, I see. they're all they're yeah. all together in one grave and they look like they've got wounding on the bones um mm. so i messaged him to ask whether what he what he thought about it so that's why i would really like to do an episode on the whole repton thing yeah, now no, that we, now i've we, learned about it <laughs> we should talk to uh a um a uh, English archaeologist on that one, one of the people who have been involved. I, the, I think the, the the lady who wrote River Kings and her name, I, it's Kat, but I keep wanting to go back to Kat Jennings because that just will not leave my mind. And I know it's not that, but it, I, I, someone could please pull up because I, I'm like a few chapters into the book, but I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think she worked on the site, um, did a lot, a lot of work with like one of the beads there apparently that, that linked back to India. Um, mm -hmm. so I would definitely like to reach out to, to her and see if we can get her on the podcast and talk about, because Rick Kat Jarman, that's the one. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the book, like I said, the book seems really good. Um, I say that I'm reading, I'm actually listening to it, but it's all the same. Hey, yeah, it is. I mean, why not listen to, like, you know, listen to books instead, like, when you're driving or or mm. working with your hands anyway like i mean if you don't listen to anything listen to podcasts first of course this one. To our but then podcast. if you've yeah. got if you've got a bit of time after that yes. you just pop over yeah. no it, it's really good and i would like to hopefully we can we can get around and talk about repton because it, it does seem fascinating to have like a, a mass grave a war i think it's a warrior and they think it's maybe his son or there's there's somebody mm -hmm. else buried with him um i'm, I'm, I'm trying to get this out before I forget it all. <laughs> and then obviously the, the four children, the whole thing seems quite interesting. So I think we should do an episode on that. 
Um, and then the, the 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 last thing I wanted to talk about was the I think it was found last year. Was it the little rune rune stick? Was it? I think there was two that were found in in Norway. Um, mm-hmm. One was carved on a bone. I think like the the jawbone of a a horse. I think it was or some some animal like that. And then, but I think they they said that it was did it have Latin and mm-hmm. Norse runes on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. And I saw that pop up. But it was it was actually Sarah that sent me the article, which I found quite quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I just gotta say, like this is this is one of the few instances where modern media uh, inadvertently uses Norse correctly because we're in Norway and Norse means Norwegian. So good on you guys for that. But um, of course, it's still you know applied problematically but anyway so what we got here is a a couple of uh, rune sticks that have been found uh during some ongoing in, uh, invest- uh, excavations and yeah both latin and a nordic norse uh, we're in the medieval period so let's call it norse we can um and um and yeah i mean it's not uncommon in the medieval period to find latin and vernacular on like carved on the same uh, objects so it looks like from the article that uh talks about this on the smithsonian that the dating of the runes have been dated loosely between 1100 and 1350 so it makes perfect sense uh, to those who are unaware there are thousands of rune sticks of these kinds that have been found in Brücken in uh, Norway in, in what is now Bergen. Um, well, it was also Bergen back then, by the way. Uh, Brücken is the harbor area of Bergen. Um, and and yeah, we, what we get is, is like this like really, really awesome uh, look into everyday life um and well-documented everyday life like people just like carving runes on all kinds of material you know slandering each other talking about the you know people uh writing down curses writing down grocery lists and sending each other messages and and all that kind of stuff indicating really that a very high considerable number of the population uh in Bergen at the time uh, were capable of using runes to communicate. Um, so what I what I see from this one is that um, it's a typical standard Latin uh, uh, religious stuff that you get. Uh, the phrase that is carved in this one is uh, "Manus Domine," and that means "Into your hands, O Lord." Um, so. Uh, like uh, that's that's part of a, a, a medieval prayer um so yeah that's that's pretty pretty common uh, what why else would, why would they write part latin part runes would it would i i would they be done by the, the, the same person or would it be one person does one person does other or is it common that people would have known both um well, that I mean you'd have to be quite highly educated to know 
to know both. So, so this is the ongoing conversation. So the first, first things first, this idea that everybody was illiterate in the medieval period is a 19th century fantasy about how, um, or actually 17th, uh, 18th century uh, fantasy from like the enlightenment period where it, it, it was customary to shit on the medieval period. I mean, just think about it, the word medieval like uh, the Middle Ages, right? It's like it's like this it, in in European history writing is considered sort of like a a a a a fluke, a dormant period, time period when nothing happened, right? That's how the Renaissance uh, um, scholars liked to portray portray the medieval period. The Renaissance, of course, means you know the rebirth, right? The mm -hmm. rebirth of the of essentially the classical period before everything went to shit. So that's mm. like historically the view that Europeans in modern times have had on the medieval period, that the medieval period was just like this time period where, you know, nothing happened and people were idiots and illiterate and had rotten teeth. And that, that's really <laughs> it. Right. Um, that's not the case. The medieval period was a very uh, affluent period. It was a very is a period full of scholarship and integration with the rest of the world, and a fuck ton of things were happened were happening. And you know, the Renaissance could not have happened if they hadn't built up to it in the medieval period, right? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, that view is in and of itself problematic. And with that view comes this idea that nobody had any knowledge of schooling or training or blah, 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 right? And so with that came also the idea that everybody was illiterate. That's really not the case. I mean, there are different levels to which, uh, 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 on which how, uh, people interacted with the written language, right? Some people knew a few words, they could recognize that. Some people knew the alphabet. Uh, as it turns out, it looks like a lot of people in Scandinavia knew runes as, as a primary way of, of com uh, like communicating with one another. Like, it looked like that was kind of like just fucking standard, at least in urban centers like Bergen, right? Mm -hmm. that, that you could just carve runes, just like we text message each other today. Um, was that the that. same? So the question is, was that the same with like Latin letters? No, probably not. You probably had to be you know, a little more educated, right? But that does not preclude the notion that, you know, some merchant who didn't have much education or anything like that, but, you know, had interactions with quote unquote higher society in different ways could probably pick up, you know, a phrase or two, remember how to uh, write that down. And that's probably how we're seeing some of these, uh, you know, bits and pieces of prayers, for instance, being carved on such sticks, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, consider the scenario of like somebody who's like who keeps practicing doing that and if i remember correctly what i see on that um that rune stick is a norse inscription basma basma which seems to be a nickname so what you have here is like latin carved in runes and um and a name carved in runes right that's the situation what, no. Do we know why they why they seem to do that either? Because it, it seems like so many things had just people's names carved on it. Um, and it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would you carve your name on a stick? I well, mean, because it's, it's not it's not like unless well, at least I mean, maybe this is what we've got left, but it's not like a 
a good stick. You know, when you're walking through the woods and you see a good stick, you're like, I want that stick. <laughs> I'm like a dog, but I'm like, that's a good, that's a good stick. That's a good walking stick. Or you can mm-hmm. do something with that stick. These are just like maybe like 10 inch pieces of flat wood that are like, why would you claim that? Looking at this one, it looks like it's broken off. So we don't know if there was like more to it or, and, you know, that's, that's, that tends to be a big problem with the, with wood that we find like that, that, mm. you know, it's, um, we don't know the entire context and text and, and, you know, the physical material, how much was there? Um, but yeah, so like, think about it in this way though, too, right? Um, you sit around and wait for something to happen and you have pen and paper next to you or you're sitting in class and you're bored you know those kinds of things what do you start drawing i was just gonna say dan (laughs) dan will be drawing dicks um uh, other people (laughs) be writing their name right uh or or you know drawing smiley faces or whatever right we do that all the time and these people were no different than uh, from us in that regard most Mm. people would have a knife on them right um and then you have a piece of wood and it's very easy to just uh quickly you know flatten the surface and then you know carve uh runes into it practicing Mm. your rune skills man yeah and i guess i always have this idea that they would have something better to do or at least something more important to do like tending the field farm you know farming the crops but it gets dark really soon so I imagine look, there man, have a lot of nighttime. <laughs> I think I've pointed this out before, but you know, if you look at all the the different things that a person in the you know Nordic Bronze Age had to do to stay alive and like produce all the different things that they needed, you know, you're looking at a average workday of four hours, right? Um, in the medieval periods, like in the High Christian era the catholic christian era you have something like 160 days off or something like it's an insane amount of days that are allocated to church stuff and uh days dedicated to saints where you're not working and you're not doing the the regular field things and all that stuff adding to that right you go at a pace where uh, industrial production uh, and production methods and time management has not been introduced, right? So that means that you take a break when you need it, unless you're like, you know, you have some kind of dude whipping you or, or whatever. And so so ultimately you could find plenty of, of, of little, uh, uh, you know, breathing holes throughout the day where you could sit down and do something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, with that also comes like time allotted to prayer and and eating and taking a dump and all that stuff too, right? But mm-hmm. but the point is the point is that that our concepts of work, work schedules and time and all that stuff are so so fundamentally different from the medieval period. Like you know, it's <laughs> uh, it's funny when people that. You know, you have this situation of people romanticize the, the medieval period, the Viking age, whatever. And then other people like to throw in, yeah, but then you'd like die of, of like an infected wound or you wouldn't have the medical blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, sure. But you also wouldn't be working yourself to death. 
stressing out like this and basically living in a society, especially here in the U.S., that that kind of expects you to be working uh, 365 days a fucking year, you know, mm-hmm. unless you you can pay to to not do that. Mm-hmm. So. And like you know, work culture, modern industrialized work culture is one of the most toxic things in the, in the whole world. Honestly, see, I the, just assumed that they would have been working seven days a week, twelve hours a day, just to just to get by and, and get, the, was, get the food for. There, for there was a lot of work, but it's not in the same way as you think about it today. Um, you know, like our our way of of, of thinking about work is like. You start and then you don't finish until you're allowed to finish pretty mm-hmm. much, right? That's that's for factories, man. Right? That's, mm-hmm. that's factory work, uh, labor situations. But that's not how work would have functioned in the medieval period. There's like, there's a time for dealing with the, the field, right? Whether it's like sowing or harvesting or, or plowing or whatever, right? That's that. There's a time for that during the day. There's a time for you know, fixing woodwork that needs to be fixed or uh, rethatching the roof and, and, and so on and so on. Like um, the, the most uh, caricatured example of this is of course the, 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 the traditional Spanish siesta, right? Sleeping in the middle of the day. Why? Well, that's because that's the hottest period. So sleeping and eating at that time is smarter than, you know, being in the fields and working, right? Mm-hmm. That's an old, old, old custom that was practiced in a lot of places uh, in, in those areas where it's hotter during the day and, and the midday, right? So, so that's an example of, of how people would basically um, plan their day and their schedule based off of, you know, a more relating to a natural setting, right? Mm-hmm living quote-unquote natural and that's that's stuff that we've completely forgotten with the introduction of the textile mills in uh, the 1740s in in england that's when all that stuff ran out the window and we got fucked so (laughs) that that's that's the depressing (laughs) news about the modern times you know um i mean yeah fair enough like say i i I always just had this assumption that they'd work nonstop because it was tough and life was tough and you had to work really hard. And if you didn't, if you didn't work hard, then you didn't eat and you starved to death and died. Well, I mean, there was a lot of that too, of course, but this, you know, depends on where we are, uh, when we are and so on. Right. It's like, so go to Venice in the 1400s and you will see things that are very similar to modern modern industrial productions you can go to places in france in the 1500s and see the same thing 1600s for that matter uh in england in the 1700s and so on um with different kinds of trades usually it's like in this in the late medieval period and early modern period the development of these uh economies and industries right is very specific to certain locations and certain things that they're producing, right? It's not like an encompassing situation like we have it today, where where there's no place on the planet where you can escape industrialized production, right? Mm-hmm. Back then, there was certain places that had industrialized productions, and a lot of other places that didn't. 
and and then slowly things get introduced from there right okay so and that's why that's why i brought up the textile mills from uh, from england because uh, uh, the, the textile mills in the 1700s in england that's where what you could call like ma modern industrialized mass production begins also oh, my, with, the, with the mines my whole, as well my whole area is built on textile like huddersfield halifax Bradford, yep. they were like the textile centers of the of the world. Mm -hmm. um, okay, last question before we before we wrap up. If so, would you swap your life now and the amount you work now with them to work less, but you have to <laughs> you have to be back then and live the way they lived? No. <laughs> I didn't I didn't think you would. No. <laughs> and that's the thing, you know, we we say, oh, we're, we're fucked, it all got fucked, we have to work so hard. And then it's like, but do I want to go back and live in a cold the thing is with all my family in one? The thing is that if if I had had the same course of life um in the medieval period as the one that I have had, right? I would probably I would probably be dead by sec 17. <laughs> like that's that that's that's a pretty likely scenario because when I when I was 17 I had a, a pretty bad uh, uh staph infection and that only went away with like some serious um uh, uh antibiotics right which did not exist prior to the, the late 19th century, early 20th century, right? Um, penicillin, I think, was invented in that time period. And so, 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 like, I would most certainly be crippled at 17, if just, not dead. Just to correct you, um, penicillin was discovered, not invented, but... Who am I to? Uh... Right, right, right. right. <laughs> fine, fine. Yes, it's it's a fungus. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the point. Is it Alex, Alexander Fleming. He went on holiday and left some petri dishes out, um, and came back and and accidentally discovered Fleming. That's what I remember <laughs> from my high school. Um, I think it was Fleming. Someone please tell me tell me it was Fleming, and I haven't embarrassed myself. But uh, it, it was a British guy, so you 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 guys would learn about that, right? <laughs> For some reason, I had a really good history teacher at, at GCSE, and we did the history of medicine. And I just remember people like Edward Jenner and Louis Pasteur, and the the the, the man who did stitches, Paré, and mm -hmm. Galen, the, the the Roman who caught up in pigs to to find out. Right, yeah, I, I can vaguely remember that stuff too. And Hippocrates, all this stuff. I just, for some <laughs> reason, remember it because I had one good teacher for a couple of years and it just all kind of absorbed yeah. in this. Oh. Yeah, but I mean, so so like if you think about that, right? And, and I think a lot of people, modern people have a story like that. It's like, oh, I got this particular infection or I needed surgery for something when I was like in my teens or something like that right and and so most of those people who have those stories today right they would have been dead back then right mm -hmm. like existence for human beings in the medieval period um was like a hit or miss kind of thing right 
like just think about it like we're dealing with like 50 percent child death in general like within the first five years most in you know in labor mm-hmm. um and 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 of course like it is you know kind of anachronistic to to like say oh well if if I had the same course of life, like that, there could be other factors. Maybe my, maybe I wouldn't uh, be so easily, um, in, maybe Staphylococco wouldn't be so easily introduced into my life situation. Who the fuck knows? Like, um, mm-hmm. but maybe, maybe E. coli, on the other hand, would be everywhere because, you know, you ship what you eat in the medieval period, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, uh, or, there's like a bunch of other things to, to to take into consideration then there's warfare right then there's um a, a tavern brawl then there's um yeah done done the dick biter is not getting past 20. No, I <laughs> <laughs> i'm going out either with infection or spice sword <laughs> before, before. sword might be the wrong word to use but or axe <laughs> yeah and that's and, and you know family feuds um there are plenty of things in the medieval period or in the Viking age for that matter that can kill you. Mm-hmm. And, and as I said, uh, just the fucking cold, right? Um, if I were born in the same um, uh, social class uh, in the medieval period, I'm not sh- like, we would probably be living in the hovel with like holes in the thatched roof. And as like, you know, tenant peasants who who had to, um, you know, uh, uh, work almost a slave labor for for the lord. You know that kind of stuff. Like, the likelihood of me surviving that scenario past just seven would be kind of ridiculous, right? So um, overall, no, life is better now. Yeah. You see, you <laughs> see so many people in online who were like i would i'd go back then i'd oh i wish i could swap my life to to, to be back then or, or really glorify um mm-hmm. being alive back then and i'm yeah. like, no, like we there's a lot of things wrong with the world right now but it is undoubtedly the best time to be alive ever mm-hmm. in human history unless maybe when the aliens were here like tens of thousands <laughs> of years ago but it's undoubtedly undoubtedly the best time to be alive and yeah, I, would, I think I so. Would. Like in terms of like material existence, in many ways, this is definitely the best time to exist. Um, we like we don't have to worry too much about whether or not our newborn uh, um, gets too cold and dies from an infection within the first three months, mm-hmm. right? Like because most of us live, at least in the Western world or the industrialized world, which isn't necessarily particularly Western. Um, we, we live in 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 decent housing, right? Um, we we have access to a lot of uh, nutrients as well. Easy access to nutrients, again, a factor that keeps people alive uh, through their early years. It, mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of children would die from starvation or malnutrition back then, right? Mm-hmm. And and exposure in different ways. That's that's the main. That's the first thing that we need to consider. So if you live past seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen, right? Then there's infections, uh, psychotic neighbors, warfare, uh, the weather, 
um, getting kicked in the face by a horse, like a bunch of things that could then take you out, right? Nowadays, what we have to worry about is like, you know, car accidents mm -hmm. and, yeah. you know, the occasional food poisoning or some, you know, random pandemic that happens, right? But even, even with a random pan pandemic, we have a bunch of hospitals that can take care of people, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, that was not the case back better, then. Better version. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we were talking about this yesterday, actually, with the no matter how you you look at how the UK government have ha has handled the whole thing, um, the rollout of the furlough system that they put in place to to cover 80 percent of people's wages with like straight away. As soon as they went to lockdown, like that was pretty much instantly certainly for like employed, self-employed people got a, a grant and maybe there's arguments whether that was enough or not. But employed people pretty much straight away, they were getting 80 percent of their wage at home they didn't have to worry and that that has to be a credit because a lot of back then that that didn't exist if if the if the plague came about you were on your own fucking go survive um so you didn't have the the, the infrastructure in place to to kind of help out with things and you know the 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 the, the lord right sitting over there in his castle whom you work for because you're a you know you like that's another thing when people talk about this time period and wanting to go back to it and like they always think of themselves to some kind of princess or 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 cool badass warriors like no motherfucker 95 percent of the population <laughs> would be you know a dirt poor peasants working for some lord right so that's your most likely existence right so so the situation would then be that that you know if for instance like the plague happened right uh, something like that occurred then uh, you know your lord would be like yeah I'm just gonna close the gate to my castle while you guys are dying out there uh, see you those of you who make it and once yeah. one you once you do I'm gonna have you work the fields again mm -hmm. right. So that's 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 how official society would be handling it back then, right? Like, so you know, a situation where a government is giving uh, furloughs and uh, and um, you know subsidies and all those kinds of things, and also access to hospitals and and all that stuff, it's mm -hmm. a lot better than mm -hmm. than the yeah. so-called good old days. <laughs> it's good. It's good time to be alive. Um, all right, let's let's wrap this up. I know you've got to go and get a consultant about a hernia. Um, so yeah, we're going to keep this one short, especially with my computer playing up earlier and not being able to get on. We just have to yeah, no, it's a, a bit of a short. Um, yeah, but that's another that's another thing. Like uh, you know, uh, such things as hernias back then, they would be handled with. Uh, Here, let me try to tie this uh, piece of cloth around your waist really tight. This is how you live now. <laughs> so that your bowels you live, won't fall out. Yeah, you, you live with a piece of cloth around you now. That's the that's the answer. Um, there was no there was no fixing fixing it. Um I feel like I also should point out that I make I make a lot of jokes about aliens. I don't actually believe that aliens ruled the earth like 10,000 years ago. I just want to clarify that. Uh, maybe they did, maybe we don't know about it, but I feel like I've I've made too many alien references at this point. There's someone somewhere thinks that I um yeah I'm an ancient alien. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> of all the ridiculous conspiracy theories out there, I like that one the most. It's like least weaponized and and bizarre. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, let's yeah, let, let's wrap this up. It's been it's been fun. We yeah. I mean I would say we're back tomorrow, but that's we're back in a week for people listening, but we're recording tomorrow, which is gonna be a fun, fun episode. Um yeah. Everyone tune into <laughs> that one because yeah. it will be yeah. No, that, that's gonna be an um yeah, yeah. Enjoy please leave a five-star rating and a positive review. Helps us bump up the, the charts, helps people find it. Yeah, helps us keep growing. Um, like I say, Patreon is a, a brilliant way to support us if you can. We know everybody can't. So if you can, we appreciate just the, the shares on Facebook, the shares on Instagram, telling people about it. Again, it brings other people into this who maybe haven't heard of, of the podcast and want to listen. Um, helps it keep growing. But if you can support us on Patreon, literally not a mythology podcast, type that into Patreon, you're going to find us. You get a bonus show every week. One episode is Q&A where you can ask Mateus anything you want um, and he's going to answer it in detail. He gets a lot of questions on Instagram asking topics that maybe we've covered, maybe we haven't hit something full in depth or answered the one question you have. So you can ask him that on the Patreon. You don't even have to join in live. You can you can submit the question. We'll record the episode and then we'll put it onto Patreon for you to listen after. Um, but yeah, it gets you an in-depth question to it. And they've been a lot of fun, Mateus, so far. It does, yeah. Uh, I think I think those uh, episodes are going really well. They're also a little more, a little less inform, little more informal, a little less mm-hmm. formal. Um, and and yeah, we chill out and we have uh, good conversations and get to engage with the um, the live audience more too, like um, which is also kind mm-hmm. of fun. And there is actually more than just Frederick in the chat. There, there, there are more than just Frederick. <laughs> there are. It just, it's just for some reason, Frederick always seems to just get mentioned. Um, and the other, the other bonus episode is story That's time. because he it's, says relevant, relevant things, man. There you go. Everyone else has to pick the game up. <laughs> um, no, the other bonus episode is story time with Jonas Lorenzen, where we go through a saga and we'll read it beginning to end. Jonas comes on as the narrator. There's a bunch of voices. We get to sit back and then discuss the discuss. Yeah, discuss it. It's a lot of fun. It's it's they're they're probably my favorite episode of the week. They they just get nuts sometimes. Um, and again, you can listen to them on the back catalog. You don't have to just be there live for them. They're all up on Patreon. So honestly, you could subscribe to the Patreon. Listen to I think there's eight of them that we've got now. There, you listen to the full vo- Saga of the Volksunger series, listen to it, and then cancel your, cancel your Patreon if you want. Listen to them and, and then go if it's not for you, or hang around and listen to the new ones. Um, but yeah, they're definitely worth listening to. And you can find us, Naughty Mythology Podcast, across the board. Mateus, Instagram, as always. Yes, you can find me on Instagram. That's it. <laughs> but you should also, of course, uh, if you are on Facebook, unlike me, uh, you should definitely uh, follow the uh, podcast um, on there and sign up for the group, which uh, I, I hear is a fun shit show. So, so there's that. <laughs> no. Oh, Facebook group's brilliant. Uh, there you go. It's, it's self-police. It's self we don't have anyone too bad in there yet. Oh, that's nice. There's a few people might sneak by, but we get we get them pretty quick. Oh, they get <laughs> All they all they get was coming to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. They do get the smackdown in there. There are some, yeah, there are some some intellectuals in there who who tell people some home truths. <laughs> and I'm not one of them. 
Um, yeah, no. You, there's a bunch of places you can follow us, but we are just mainly we appreciate that you're listening to the to the main episode because um, that's kind of got us to where we are, and we and we we love doing it and want to keep keep growing it and getting more and more. So yeah, we'll. That's it. That is it. Thank you for listening. <laughs>